This is Cam Jam's Corner, where there's always a glass of whiskey in my hand. So if you feel like you can keep up, sit down. Let's have a chat. Cheers. Welcome back, everybody, to an episode of Cam Jam's Corner with your host, Cameron Jarman. <laughs> and man, oh man, do I have a fun episode for you guys today. I'm so excited for today's episode. You know I've been talking about this UFC 249 for... Oh, a good portion of my episode, so I'm sure all you guys have just been awesome to hear. But this one will be a breakdown of the fights afterwards, um, where the fighters kind of go from here. I'm going to talk a little bit, someone about the mental health, because there was a lot of damage done this fight, some corner stuff. You know, we'll just kind of step into that. We do have a couple things I'm going to kind of touch base before we go right into that. First things first is. Um, do a couple plugs. Uh, if you guys haven't found me on all my platforms, I am on Anchor. That's where I do most of my recordings. They're an awesome, a little, a nice little free way to start your own podcast. Get your voice out there. Uh, they put me on a Breaker, Google Podcast, Podcast, Pocket Casks, um, Radio Public, and Spotify, which is probably my other biggest one. That's the one I press out the most. But Google Podcast is another really good one. Come check me out, guys. Um, cam james corner uh for all you gamers that are listening i am on twitch twitch.tv slash cam to the jam 1991 so if you guys want to come check me out come say hi over there i'm also on that i have a video platform i was planning on doing a facebook live for this one um i posted it i had to take it down unfortunately because my facebook live was just being weird um i I didn't want to fight with it anymore so i decided to do an audio recording i'm going to try to get better video content i'm working with somebody right now about that so um yeah, uh, thanks for your thanks for your patience on that one, guys. So, unfortunately, before I get into my whiskey, I do have to do something for one of my my best friends um, since ninth grade, my best friend slash roommate, um, Adrian. He, we made a bet on the um, on the main event of the card. Uh, just a friendly bet. It was a shot, though, unfortunately. So I do have a shot of some gin that I'm going to take. I'm not, I don't shoot whiskey. I don't disrespect my whiskey like that. But uh, I will. I am going to take a shot of this gin. It's a fucking beautiful gin. If you need a delicious gin, it's called Esme out of France. I definitely suggest it. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I'm just going to take this shot on air. So I have proof that I took it. God damn it. It was a friendly bet. I would have never bet money. That's a, That was always a scary betting fight. But I was willing to do a little friendly bet. So cheers to that, guys. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. That's one in the morning. Jeez Louise. Okay, so. Ooh. That was a warm one. Ooh. But to start every podcast, you know what I do. I always got a good whiskey, and I pulled out a special one. Um, I have a lot of special whiskeys. I bought this, I believe, two years ago for my birthday. It is, um, it's Octomore 9.1. Octomore is a is a fucking hell of a bottle man it is a it is a beast of a bottle it is not a beginner bottle i do not serve this to a lot of people um i think i've maybe served this to two or three people just because they were deep into scotch with me they were not newbies this is a very intensely peated bottle what's crazy is it's a very expensive bottle not very not very easy to find but it is only five years old this is a this is what really breaks that misconception of the age the age i don't drink under this age statement this is a if you're a fan of the Islays and you like that peaty, smoky, just intense. That's exactly what the, this whole line of this series is called. I think they started around the six-point blank. It's like 6.1, 6.2, and 6.3, and each one has a difference. I believe 6.1 is sherry finish, 6.2 is bourbon finish, and 6.3 is toast. I can't remember them. 
can't remember. I'm sure I could find it. I'll do a little bit of research. But uh, yeah, so each one has their, you know, like I said, they go up to 9.3 um, or the point one, point two, and point three, and there's uh six, seven, eight, nine, and they just dropped the ten series just recently. So basically, the whole line, the whole point of the series, is to be the most peated, the most smokiest, always cast strength. I mean, it is practically clear. The yellow in it is like so faint you can barely see it. It's it, right on the nose. It's just, oh, it makes you punch you. You are not if you were not ready for this, you will never come back to Scotch. It is a beauty, beauty of a bottle. It's a hard bottle to find. It's one of the first bottles that I really hunted down and tried to find. It's on the bottle. It actually says super heavily peated. It needs to let you know it is a 51% or 59.1%. Man, if I can get my words together before I jump on this damn microphone. What the hell's wrong with me today? Yeah, so 59.1%. Um, it's made by the Brucolotic, um Distillery. They have a beautiful, beautiful... Uh, a documentary out on Netflix right now called the Scotch a Golden Dram. It's a it it really digs into a, a the master distiller Jim McEwen. Um, he retired in 2015, but he has his pride and joy of a bottle called the Dark Art, which is a it is a masterpiece in a bottle. It is not a cheap bottle. Um, it's it, it's around four hundred dollars usually. Uh, if you need a good, amazing bottle and you have that money in your pocket and you want a for sure good, that is. You will not, you will not be, you will not be upset by buying that bottle. It's fucking beautiful. I'm gonna take a sip of this really quick though, to walk, to uh, chase down my shot of gin. Thanks, Adrian. Dig. Just kidding, just kidding. I made the bet. Mm. The weird thing about the scotch is though, even though it's so high in alcohol and it's so intense, when you take a shot of something like cheap and gross, it like pinches the back of your throat and it like almost hurts, but. There's something that high quality liquor does, and I I call it the the hug. It, it hugs your belly. It's like a good warm hug, and it's, I mean, it, it's a it's you definitely know you're drinking alcohol, but it just doesn't it doesn't pinch you in the back. It doesn't hurt. This one does bounce off your tongue pretty sharply. I mean, like I said, it's a very very high 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 proof or yeah high proofed in alcohol. So I mean, it's gonna hurt. But I've added water to this to try to bring the proof down, and it's when you buy this bottle. You buy this bottle for what it is. You don't want to add water. You don't get all crazy with this. Like you need to. This is when you pour and you take a very long time to drink. A very long time for an ounce. You, you. This is not a bottle that you would sit down with the buddies and just put down. It'd, it'd probably burn your fucking insides. To be honest, <laughs> you'd be waking up raw mouth, throwing up, hurting. So I don't suggest. I definitely don't suggest this one to a newbie. But if you are an Islay lover, man, and you are deep into scotch and you've never had an Octomore, I, su- I very much suggest going out and trying one. They're so savory. It's like soaking salted smoked bacon in alcohol for too long. It's fucking beautiful, man. I'm going to take one more sip before I dive into this uh, this UFC thing. Mm. And man, did we have some crazy-ass fights this weekend, you guys. If you guys didn't watch this fight... And you are any much, any any bit of a combat sports fan, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, any of that. Just just do yourself a favor and go watch this fight. It, all this whole card from head to toe. I didn't break down all every single fight. Um, not I. There's a couple of them I just didn't love. The Michelle Waterson versus um, uh, Carla Esparza. I just didn't love it. I just didn't think it needed to be broken down. It kind of was what it was. There's a couple of them. But the ones that were really important to me, I really broke down and kind of what they're going to move forward with, what I think the fighters should do, maybe even what I think the UFC should consider doing for later matches. Um, and just kind of some stuff that I noticed wrong. I wouldn't say wrong, but some of my opinions on what corner should do, some mental health issues, some brain issues. Just I'm going to kind of dive into that a little bit. So um, 
Yeah, let's do this. So you, UFC 249 was just uh, technically two days ago. It's 1 a.m. for me. It is Monday now, but it was Saturday. Um, it was... It, it, we had a while off. I was about a, two months off of no fights, which is or maybe a month, month or two. And man, I I've, I am a person that loves to watch fighting. I was watching consistently watching fights, but old fights. But I just needed some new, fresh fights, some new shakeup in the division. This one did a lot of them across the board. It was it was much much needed. They got away with it. Um, I'll talk about the first thing is the no fancing. I actually kind of enjoyed it. You could really hear the difference in the power of the strikes to where when when people were throwing shots, you know, if you saw it land, you could hear how hard it landed versus, you know, and how hard the leg kicks actually were. You just weren't hearing everything or you weren't hearing the fans scream over every time they were throw leg kicks or if they were only throwing leg kicks, you weren't hear the boos of the fans. I think that hearing the hearing the strikes, hearing the breathing, hearing all of that as a as a as a purist, I loved it. Um, coming from maybe like the standpoint of maybe in the announcers or um, the fighters, like people like Donald Cerrone, I know that he really thrives off the fans. So I don't. I would like to. I, I'm excited to see what the the people, the fighters that were in the ring, the actual athletes that are in the ring. I would like to hear what they said about not having fans. Because as a true purist fan, I, I, do, I did enjoy it. I very much enjoyed it. I, I kind of liked it. I wish they would do that more often and just kind of stick to um, just pay-per-view. But I they probably lost a lot of money, I would imagine, on that. Um, but who knows? Maybe that... Well, who? I mean, I don't know. That's tough. Because there's people spending thousands of dollars on tickets. All they got to do is spend $65 on a ticket to watch the fight so the ufc did use lose a lot of money on that but it could shoot up pay-per-views and it could end up being a very good thing we'll see we'll see what happens i'm i'm, I'm excited i'm excited to see what happens but at, again from my point of view i did like the no fans um i thought joe rogan wasn't supposed to interview the fighters inside the octagon i'm glad they let him i think that's a the really cool thing i mean i'm a huge fan of rogan so anytime he can get in there and talk he has very he's very intelligent the way he talks uh, he's very the way he interviews people is brilliant, which is probably why he is one of the number one podcasts on this planet. Um, I'm glad they didn't do the whole corner thing where they were going to take the fighters away and shove them in a booth with the headset after getting into a fight and have them talk to a headset to Joe Rogan. I like that Joe Rogan walked up in there and talked with them. Um, I'm glad he got to talk to Tony Ferguson. Usually they don't talk to the losers. I'm glad Tony went through with that, even though he took way, 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 way too much damage in that fight. So let's go right into that, man. Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. That's what I had to take a shot of. I had Tony. I thought Tony Ferguson was going to win late rounds. And wow, was I wrong? Did Justin Gaethje take over in those late rounds? Um, so first round, I did have Tony Ferguson winning. I just think he dictated the center of the octagon. It was kind of a slower. I wouldn't say slower start. But a little bit harder to dictate or harder to score the round based off strikes i think it was fairly even i think tony edged a little bit more in strikes he was a little bit more active but again justin was consistently landing more of the power shots but i think because of uh, the walking the down the little bit more volume i did edge i personally i edged tony a little bit the first round but i could see your argument of why you would give justin the first round um round two again was a 50 50 round for me man justin was really starting to show a lot of he was starting to showcase a lot of his hooks, what he was going, what he used in the later fight, um, starting to press forward a lot more. But man, Tony landed that uppercut that put him on his ass though at the end. So, mm, that's, that's again, that's a tough one. I got that fight pretty that that round, a, a, almost a draw. But again, I could, if you I, you could argue it both ways. 
you could give Tony the, uh, the the round because of dropping it, but you could give Justin because he kind of was overall dominant. But after that, man, it was all Justin Gaethje, guys. I don't think Tony Fer- Ferguson had a moment after that. Not a second. Not a second. I said going to the fifth round that there was a chance that Tony Ferguson would have to turn around and he could come back if he had an amazing fifth round because maybe there was a couple judges that saw Tony Ferguson rounds one and two, Justin Gaethje rounds three and four, and he had to come in. But from the moment that fifth round started, man, they came face-to-face, and Tony started taking shots probably within a minute in. If I was his corner, I would have called that fight before. He was taking so much damage. I've never seen a fighter get hit and just take a step back and like shake his head off. Like He's trying to shake off what he just got cracked upside the head. Because I, That's insane, man. His corner should have seen that. That fight was over. That fight was over the first time he shook his head in that fifth round. I can't... I, I, I wish I'm always a person that kind of I always I always think about the longevity of the fighter and I wish I understand Warriors code and we'll get more into that about the Cruz versus a Cejudo fight Um, but I I understand that but I'm also a part that you you, that man he was not he he literally he wasn't the fight was over he wasn't doing anything he was walking forward he wasn't changing his game plan he was throwing the, the same stuff in rounds three, four, and five, he changed nothing. And Justin Gaethje adjusted and was cracking him. It's crazy what he Justin actually said during his interview, saying he doesn't remember any of it. It was all based off reaction. Probably because he was he took some really good shots himself. But fuck, dude. Though man, he man, man, Tony Ferguson is a is, is a different human being. He should not that damage he took was very, very, very scary amount of damage. I always I got a little uncomfortable in the fifth round. And I've been around this sport for a very long time. I've been watching this stuff for a long time. I'm not a I'm not a rock 'em sock 'em robot, knock 'em the fuck out type of guy. I, I respect the art of the sport, and I don't. I just don't like seeing that, man. I really don't like seeing that. I just don't. I, I would have if I was his corner, I would have thrown the towel, and I know I probably would have lost my job for a month, just like the Deontay Wilder stuff, and then got it back later and realizing I was just there for you. But a lot of his corner was saying some scary stuff to him, just trying to talk him up, especially going into the fifth round, telling him you're up, you're this, you're that, you're the. I mean, I don't, I don't really agree with that. I think that's that's very um, that's kind of naive to me. I, I, I just, I just don't, man. I don't agree with that. I haven't been. I've never been in the octagon. I've never been a coach, but I've I have trained a lot and I've been around a lot of coaches and I've been around a lot. But it's uh, yeah, man. It, I don't know. I would have stopped it. <laughs> That's funny. I just pulled my Facebook up to a video of Kakui dancing in the hospital with his uh, IV bag. Man, that guy is a freaking warrior, dude. One of a kind. God, psychopath. I'm telling you. Good for him, man. In great spirit. But I I just think he took a little too much damage. All right, I'm gonna get off this. Let's go into Justin Gaethje now, man. What a what a what a difference this man has become from the. If you go back and watch him before he was in the UFC, you want to talk about Rock'em Sock'em Robots, man. That guy stood in the pocket with people and took so much damage. He literally Homer Simpson people all the way to the UFC until he fought some really high level fighters and he got he got exposed a little bit by um, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier, which is why I had Tony Ferguson winning in the later rounds. I thought that. I thought that Tony, you know, once Tony kind of drug it out, got him frustrated, I thought that maybe Justin Gaethje was going to pull back to his old ways. But wow, was I impressed with the way he didn't do that. He stuck to he stuck to a game plan. There was even times in the later rounds where he he pushed him and just kind of stood back and pulled him back and showed that he's not the same fighter that he was. He's he's a man that's going to pick and choose his shots and go for the win and not just 
get in these brawls or just go for the kill right when he sees, you know, right when he smells blood, just rush at him and just go for the kill. He was, he's very methodical, picks his, picked his shots just beautifully. Fuck, his hooks were insane. His hooks were his hooks were on par with some of the like high level boxers, some of the best shot hooks I've ever seen in my life thrown. When he was throwing those hooks, they were making me cringe and step back and oh my, oh, oh. it was wild. It was wild, man. He 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 showed a lot. He he showed he's a, a completely different fighter, in which which really really starts to beg the question about how he'll do against Khabib, man, because Khabib is. Man, Khabib is insane. He is uh, is is either whether you call him boring, whether you, whatever you want to say about Khabib, he is he truly is a phenomenon at twenty eight. No, he will he has manhandled everybody in the octagon. Besides, I think he lost a round to Connor, and then he had that really questionable fight to Ab- to Abr- Oh no, Glayson Tebow, Tebow, I think it was. I think Tebow was the one one of the fight. He had one really questionable fight. I can't I can't recall right now for some reason. Pretty sure it's Glayson Tebow. But anyways phenomenal grappler great all that but before this fight with ferguson i was saying that the reason i think justin gaethje is such a bad matchup for ferguson or for um for khabib is because he did a an interview probably before even the fight with tony ferguson was booked i think right around the time where tony ferguson versus khabib first got booked before before this whole fiasco happened and he said the reason i think i'm a bad matchup is because he has what's called power wrestling and what that means is when someone shoots in on you to sprawl you you, there's there's two ways you can do you can sprawl straight back and almost try to go flat and kind of drop your hips down or you drive your hips straight forward into the person and try to go force with force and that's the way justin gaethje fights is force with force and if I think if Khabib tries to dive in and grab a hold of the leg, I think that Justin Gaethje has enough grappling experience to possibly maybe get taken down to the first or second round. But Khabib has shown multiple times that he starts to slow down in later fights. He lost the round to Connor in the later fights versus um, uh, Alaquinta. He showed uh, the third and fourth round like he he'll start to slow down. Justin Gaethje will not slow down. He showed that in this fucking Tony Ferguson fight. He showed more heart and more grit than I've ever seen in a person. Well, Tony Ferguson showed a lot of heart. That was crazy. But he he showed a lot of his fighting style and his heart and grit of what he can do. And I just don't think... I think right around those, that, that later round, I think he's going to get taken down for a round or two. He's gonna, I'm, But I don't think it's going to be just a takedown and maul. I think it's going to be a lot of takedown, kind of like shoot for the leg. He's going to sprawl. It's going to be do this, and he might get a takedown. It's going to be not really much. It's kind of positioning. He's going to kind of move and go, and then he might get up and get to the ground and kind of throw, maybe have a little, couple of quick exchanges. But I, don't, I think Gage is going to be a little slow in the early rounds, like round one and two, like against the Ferguson, kind of the same thing. Gonna, But I think, I think with how well he can defend and how much power he has, Khabib might slow down a little bit faster with constantly trying to take him down. And I think Gaethje, if he can land a couple shots, even if he can land a shot or two in that second round and get Khabib a little nervous or hesitant, I think then that third or fourth round, especially if he, especially if he can land like a hard shot in the third round, I think it's going to make Khabib scared. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin can take over that fight and start to uh, and maybe even you know kind of have the same thing happen they did with Tony. I've never seen Khabib... I don't even know if I've ever seen Khabib. I think he got hit by Michael Johnson once, which was like his scariest moment. He had like a quick flash, like 
shake of the hips or knees and kind of like, oh my God, is he human? But uh, so I don't know how well his chin is. He, he's, he's shown to have a pretty decent chin, but man, Gaethje has fireworks in his hands and not a fight I would bet on, but not a fight that I would be completely surprised if he beat truly. If wherever that fight goes, the only thing that would surprise me is if Justin Gaethje submits him or if Khabib knocks out Justin Gaethje. That's the only way the things that really surprise me. But either, any other way, I can see that fight. I can see that fight winning either other way. I, I mean, I have it much more even than most people probably would. They probably got Khabib heavily on for the odds. I wouldn't say heavily. It's probably leaning towards Khabib. I bet you the odds are pretty, pretty close, but definitely leaning towards Khabib a little bit. Whew, I'm excited for that fight. That fight is going to be fucking nothing but fireworks. There's no way. Go back and watch some of Justin Gaethje's early fights if you're questioning some of his grappling skills, too. His grappling skills are through the roof. That's why I think he's going to have a serious problem with them. All right, so we'll jump it. Now let's go into Cejudo versus Cruz. Man, that kind of a slow starting fight. They were really feeling each other. A lot of movement, a lot of foot movement coming from Cruz and coming from Cejudo. But with the stoppage... I'm not going to head ahead of myself. I think that the fight was pretty even going up, up until the stoppage. Nobody really had a clear dominant. I, I, I really didn't. I, I, maybe you could say Cejudo maybe was edging it a little bit, just a little bit, because he, I think he had a really good takedown attempt, if I remember correctly. Um, I can't remember 100% that fight. I just remember the stoppage so much from that fight. But I'm just going to kind of stick with the stoppage. First off, what a fucking beautiful knee he landed on him, man. He the way Dominic Cruz ducks and moves and drops his body. He ducked his head and he Cejudo timed that knee just beautifully. Launched that thing up and cracked him right in his face. And Dominic Cruz was hurt, man. I don't care what any, that guy was hurt. He wobbled. If you looked at his face in the the slow motion cam, he looked like he was not there. Hit his back and turtled up like he's supposed to. He was not out, but he was he was hurt. Turtled up. Was still there. He got cracked and kind of went limp. His arms went limp. He went flat for a sec. Popped up, got hit a couple more times, and was kind of trying to drag himself up. And then it got stopped. So, what do I say about this? I'm going to refer back to the main event. Like I said earlier, I'm a person that doesn't... I don't... I don't mind too a little bit earlier of a stoppage. I do mind very like disgusting early stoppages. I don't really like those. I, I think that... Early stoppage kind of take away from the fighters, especially the amount of money and all that stuff they put in. But there's also a point where it becomes dangerous. And if we're talking, if there's danger truly involved like that, it's questionable, man. If if if, if the ref would have let it go on, I wouldn't have been like, oh, you should have stopped the fight. But since he stopped it, I was like, I don't really see anything wrong with the stoppage. So like, I'm kind of, on, I'm really on the fence with it. it. It's hard, man. He was very hurt, and he did. He probably did put him out for a second. He, pro- he probably did. It was a. Uh, he was getting cracked, man. It was probably like, I believe they said ten unanswered shots. That is a lot, a lot of shots to the head, man. Un- unanswered without being blocked. But Dominic Cruz was getting up, so I see both points. I- I'm not like I- I'm not the, the ref. I- yeah, I think the ref did a-, a-, a good job. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disputing this the stoppage by any means. I I think it was an okay stoppage, and I understand both sides. I get it. It's hard, especially coming from Cruz. The only thing that's kind of weird to me that's making me a little bit nervous is that he, Cruz came out today and said that the ref, Keith Peterson, smelled like alcohol and cigarettes. Now, 
This is an all or nothing thing for Cruz, honestly. Because if it's all and he did come back and he does test positive somehow or they can see and something comes out that they saw him drinking or something, he did. He smelled like alcohol and cigarettes before and he did drink some beer and he smoked some cigarettes before that. That's completely uncalled for. No way should you be allowed to, not even one beer if you're, into, if you're efficient. That's so disrespectful to the fighters. That is so uncalled for. That is not smart. You should be 100% in your head, and if you don't feel that you can do that, then you shouldn't be a referee, man. That's truly how I feel. But on the flip side, if Dominic Cruz is just saying that, that's also extreme. That's, that is so petty. So this is a very, this is an all or nothing move by Dominic Cruz to me. Honestly, that's why he better be right, is all I got to say. And the ref better hope he's wrong, is all I got to say. Because either way, it, it's, a, it's a very, that's, that's, that's a fine line, man, and I really hope he's. I really hope he's right, or else that I, I, I'm going to lose a lot of respect for him. And if he is right, that ref should be fired. On a cooler note, man, as much as I hate the cringe king Henry Cejudo, I can't say I hate him. I just I can't stand his little cringy shit he does. It, it's so fake to me. And if it's not fake, whatever. I just, it's so annoying to me. He did one of the smartest things I've been saying for a while that fighters should do, man. So he he beats DJ, gets the flyweight title. Um, TJ Dillashaw moves down. He defends the flyweight title. So now he's gotten it, defended it against the 135 pound champion. Whatever you, I, I'm gonna, I, I talk about waiting or losing weight and all that stuff later, but just looking at the books, record books, okay? Fought TJ Dillashaw, knocked him out in 30 seconds. He was the weight above. That guy dropped down to take his title. So he got the title, defended the title, moved up to 135. Fought a killer of Marlon Moraes that had, was on a murder's row of knockouts before him. Had a very hard fight against him. Took some very big shots to the leg. Very big shots everywhere. And then came back and won. Won the 35 title. And then defended it against arguably one of the best fighters ever. So he won, defended, won, defended. Okay? So you can't say he pulled the Conor McGregor stuff where they never defended. He defended his title once against pretty good people. And then after he wins this fight, and what does he do? He grabs the mic. Says, I love my career. I love what I'm done. I'm retiring. Oh my God. Genius. This man might be one of the smartest marketing geniuses I've in the UFC outside of maybe Conor McGregor. What a genius tactic. Okay, let's talk for a second. Let's say he's actually retiring. He's arguably going to be put in the Hall of Fame. Olympic gold medalist, multi-champ, and defended both belts. Only one other person has done that, I believe, and her name is Amanda Nunes. Just thinking hard. Yes. DC never defended his lightweight title when he was double, right? Did he defend his lightweight title when he was double champ? I can't remember. I'll get back to that. Okay, he did. I don't think he did, but what I do know is that Amanda Nunes did, and I know for a fact Henry Cejudo did, so... He's probably there's a good chance, man. There's a good. I don't think we have. I think we have a couple other Olympic silver medalists, DC, and I believe did uh did your Romero win a gold medal? I th- he might. He I think he's a gold medalist at the Olympics too. So, but man, it, genius, dude. And you know what? If he does retire, and now he's in retirement, and he's all that stuff. Now he has the bring him out of retirement fight, and we're talking money you guys that is so much fucking money this guy could put into his bank account after that it's insane god 
You got to give the guy props. I don't care who you are. You got to give the guy props, man. I hope. I, I mean, I, I really hope. I, 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 I applaud. Good job. Good job, Zahudo. As much as I want to talk shit and that goddamn cringe shit, good goddamn good. Blah, 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 blah. Can't even make me talk right now. Good goddamn job, dude. You killed it. So. We only need to touch on this fight for about as long as it lasted. Francis Ngato versus uh, Rosenstruth. I can never pronounce his name, guys. Sorry. Uh, It doesn't matter because Francis Ngato knocked him out in 19 seconds. It was... It was... uh, Dude, Francis Ngato is a murderer. That guy, dude. I can't believe... Another person... I think he has a total out of his last four fights. He has like a total of like a minute and 17 seconds in the octagon between all four fights. 36 seconds on um, Kane Velasquez. Uh, like a minute in the, or not even a minute on. What was it? I don't. It, I think Kane Velasquez, Dos Anjos, Curtis Blades. I mean, all these guys in first round, just devastating knockouts. He. This guy that he was fighting was an extremely high-level kickboxer. I, unfortunately, I didn't give him a chance because when you put MMA gloves versus kickboxing gloves, it's a whole different story. But he he just literally threw the barrage of punches at him, knocked him out. One hit after the first hit, he hit him with a left hook, slept him, hit the ground. He leaned him against the cage and just started throwing bombs at him. And then he didn't wake up for a while. It was kind of scary. It was kind of scary. It was so funny if you went to the Wikipedia page soon afterwards it's, and you looked at Francis Ngano, someone wrote in uh, KO Death. It was fucking hilarious. Whoever did that, shout out to you. D- hilarious. Good job to you. I applaud you too. But uh, yeah, man, Francis Ngano, dude. I, I don't think that he should jump in for the title yet. I, I think what he should do is because I do, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I want to see DC Stipe 3. I do want to see it, but I also don't want to see it because... DC's just going to retire, win, win or lose, so he could win their title and throw it out, and then someone's got to fight for a vacant title. So I don't know. They should just do it out of catch weight for fun, not for the title. But uh, the DC recent. This is how scary Francis Agato is. Okay, DC, who has never lost, only lost once at heavyweight to Stipe. Um, he f- came out and said, "I will not fight fight Francis Ngano. Why? Because I'm scared. What does this mean? Not that if I was younger and I needed a title run, would I get in the octagon and attempt to fight him and try to figure out a way to beat him? No. What this means is that I'm at an age where I have one fight and his name's Stipe. I will not get in the octagon with that fucking killer because if he touches me, he will send me to a different dimension because that's what he does to people. This it is That guy has the scariest right hand I've ever seen in fighting. Not even a close second place. Maybe Rumble. But I would still say Francis might be scarier. That dude, it is fucking scary what he does. But I think what he should do next is he should fight. I think he should fight Derek Lewis again. I know their first fight was very boring, but I think it was more the situation of the fight. I think it was a... Yeah, I just think that Francis was coming off as really, really bad. His beat down from Stipe. Stipe kind of exposed him a little bit from his wrestling. I think he was a little bit scared to maybe get knocked out by Derek Lewis. But I think that'd be a great, great way to redeem himself. His one, you know, he has two shadows on his career. His his one shadow is uh, his his beat down from Stipe. Stipe beat the shit out of him and really exposed him. And then that second fight when he lost to Derek Lewis because it was in th- 15 minutes of fighting, they both, between the both of them, threw 20 punches. It was the most boring fight I've ever seen in my life. So I think, if I was Francis, that's the fight I would ask for. And then I would ask, once I, if I beat him, I would ask for the winner of Stipe and DC after they fight, if they ever fight it. 
or if DC wins and vacates the belt, I ask for the the fight for the vacant belt versus whoever he fights. Um, a quick jump back. I do think uh, if Cruz does stay in, I forgot to say who I think he should fight next. So who if he retires, whatever he does, what he does, I don't know if he's coming back. If he doesn't, he should fight um, Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan if, if he stays and doesn't give up his titles. But uh, if Cruz stays in, I think he should fight Jose Aldo. I think it's a good fight. Fight of legends, kind of both at the end of their career. They uh, should have 45, I think, too, man, honestly. They should. Or want a catch weight at 40. Be a good fight for both of them. So, I'm going to now on to Jeremy Stevens versus um, Ka- Calvin Qatar or Calvin Cater. There we go. Cater, wow. Coming off a loss of a beat, very close, pretty, pretty good fight, but I, I was a little nervous of him. I was a little nervous of Cater. He had, he was... He has crazy good striking, but I Jeremy Stevens. That, 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 I think that was really going to show. You know, Jeremy Stevens going to put him in the in, send him through the fire, and he sent him through the fire. And man, that guy came out. That guy came out stronger than it was insane, man. That he really, they had some beautiful exchanges. Jeremy Stevens was really pushing the pace at him, kind of trying to cut him off with some really good hooks as he was circling out. Um, and I believe in the second round, was either second or third, I for second. He caught him with an elbow coming in. They were both stepping in. Cater fakes a long, bends in with the elbow, cracks him with the elbow, wobbles Jeremy, puts him on the ground, throws a straight with him on the ground, and throws another elbow, splits Jeremy Stevens' head probably an inch wide on his forehead, and he is un, he is fucked up. He is knocked out. It was such a beautiful elbow. It was I know Francis knocked that guy. I know he did that, but I kind of saw that. But for knockout of the night, that was personally my problem. That was probably my knockout of the night, man. That was a beautiful elbow. So well placed. The elbow is probably one of my favorite strikes in MMA right now. But, man, it was a fucking gorgeously placed elbow. Fuck, man. Yeah. So, he, like I said, Stevens did. He was in there. He was showing him some issues. He, he did some stuff. But I think the issues that he was showing him... I don't think can really be used later on because Qatar really adjusted nicely with the way he was. Jeremy Stevens is really good at kind of like shifting his shifting his elevation just slightly, like almost like in between double leg and like standing. So it's like just a shift a little bit, and then kind of leaping in and throwing in those right hooks and just and he keeps them really tight. And he was kind of he he was showing he was giving uh, Cater some issues, but Cater just made a beautiful adjustment, caught him coming in, and man. It, what an adjustment with a beautiful fighter with a beautiful striker I, I need to I, I would like to see him on the ground a little bit more a little more of his grappling before I really I, I want to see him step up so I think that if, if you really wanted to test him I think Frankie Edgar would be an awesome one he's ranked one above him or Yair Rodriguez Yair Rodriguez would really would put him to the test on striking speed it would be a very big that would be a very hard fight for him Yair but I think that uh, Frankie would be also an extremely hard fight so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like that year fight. I think a little bit more. I think it'd be a very f- a fun favorite fight. Cause I, I, yeah, we'll see what happens with Frankie Edgar. I don't know. So, the fight that I just didn't, I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't too. I just, I'm not the biggest fan of Greg Hardy right now. I think he's a little gimmicky. I want to see a little bit more. Although he did impress me, he did do a, some really good 
changes in the fight. He he shifted his um, game plan a little bit against the Castro. Castro was had thighs the size of tree trunks, and he was kicking Greg Hardy's knee. It looked like Greg Hardy's knee was about to turn purple. It was crazy. He was cracking that thing. Um, rumor has it that Greg Hardy could hear the um, announcers and actually shifted his game plan because he took advice from the announcers, which, I mean, Joe Rogan and DC, why wouldn't you want to take advice from those guys, especially DC? But that's kind of funny. That's a, that's a, that's a factor they're going to have to take in from not having the... Um, the audience there because you can hear i don't know if that's you know i don't know how uh, what about the mental aspect from the hearing the other you know being the fighter and hearing the other corner calling you out you know he's tired he's this he's that that could be a little weird but uh castro did good man he was an undefeated fighter he looked really good he was throwing a long hard hooks uh but uh greg hardy adjusted nice and came in for the win by decision so i wouldn't mind just because Verdum had that pretty, had a really good fight against, um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that Russian guy's name, but it had a loss. I think Verdum versus Greg Hardy would be a really cool fight. Um, they could do it a main event on like a, you know, not a pay-per-view, but a lower card. Uh, I think that would really put Greg Hardy to the test. It would be a crafty veteran with some really good jiu-jitsu, some decent stand-up. Greg Hardy's really good at standing on the outside and staying long with those jabs and the crosses. So Verdum likes to close the distance. I think it would give him a really good challenger where they could step up um, fighting a crafty veteran kind of at the end of his career. So that would that would be a really I, – that would – I would like to see, win or lose in that fight, I would just like to see him in that fight, how he reacts to that fight. I know he fought Alexander Volkanovsky, I think his name was, Volkan. Or no, Alexander Volkan, not Volkanovsky, this film, or little guy. Um, Who's the heavyweight? Volkanon? Volkan, right? Um, And Volkan's a great fighter, tall tall long skinny but he's more of a stick and go kind of fighter you know he doesn't seem to ko a lot of people and destroy he's just kind of a good you know out pointer kind of fighter i want to see someone who's a finisher in there with greg hardy someone who can you know really put him to the put him to the test test that chin maybe a little bit test his will you know get him to the ground maybe grind him out a little bit really see what he's worth in that octagon, I don't think I haven't seen Greg Hardy really tested to be to, to me. It's easy to get you know stick and jabbed and outpointed, but I want to see some real. Uh, I want to see some grit. I want to see him. Uh, so I think I think Verdun would be a really good fight for him. Some big names, do it in Brazil. You know what I mean? What if he comes out like the bad guy again, play into that bad guy role again against Brazil or in, against Verdun and turn yourself into a superstar, man? That would that would elevate you beyond belief. I think that's a great idea. Hmm. So. <laughs> Vicente Luque versus Nico Price. Oh my injury of the night. Oh my god, that guy's eye looked that guy's eye looked crazy. It was so swollen, it had more bumps than anything in the world. Had, oh my god. Oh my god. Looking like that bad weekend at Vegas, dude. Oh my god. I'm so glad they the, the ref called that fight. That guy was getting pieced up. Amazing fight. And Nico Price is a pure warrior. And we'll talk about Warriors code. He did not give up. He was in there to fight. But it was just it, to me it seemed kind of like a classic brawler versus you know striker kind of fight. He was giving it to him. He was cracking Vicente. Vicente took some big shots, but Vicente was just a cleaner, sharper fighter. He was landing a, a Way higher rate. His strikes were much crisper, much more accurate on where they were landing. Um, Nico Price was just in his face consistently. He did. He was dictating kind of the the octagon a little bit. But Vicente Luca did a great job with the leg kicks and just that that last. I think it was just like a left over the top kind of hook just cracked him in the eye. And it was a, oof, oof, oh man, it was a really really good fight. 
Nico Price is so game though, man. He he had some he had he had great success in that fight, man. No nothing against him. I, I mean, he was he was throwing bombs at him, bombs, and he was hitting them too. I mean, if his eyes didn't swell up, I I wouldn't have been super upset if they didn't stop the fight. But I just think with the how bad his eye got with one shot, there was no way that I wasn't going to get any worse. It was only gonna it was only gonna just swell up more with every single shot and. Uh, we're talking lifelong injuries at that point. So, uh, again, from from the Ferguson fight, from the Cejudo fight, I'm just a person that never. I, yeah, yeah. I, I like to see fights stop sometimes. I don't want to see the fighter get lifelong injuries where he can't come fight me for just for one fight to put his name out there. I think that he should. I think he, I, I I like I like the stoppage. Okay, I think he should. So. Who should Vicente Luque fight next? So he's coming off of his last fight before this was uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, ranked number five, an amazing fight, and put the f- put the work on him, put the damn work on him. Him himself, were, he was ranked 13, and it looks like Nico Price is not ranked right now. So Vicente Luque, hmm, what would be a good f- ooh? Rafael Dos Anjos would be a good fight for him coming off a loss or Michael Chiesa. That'd be a really good fight because I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of jumps up. I think those would be two really good fights for him. I think Rafael Dos Anjos would be a good I think that's the right fight for him. Rafael Dos Anjos, de- de- depending on not if he retires. I think Vicente Luca is probably going to jump up to 11 or 12. Um, oh, Geoff Neal. Oh, that's who he should fight. Two big upcomers. That guy's coming off some brutal knockout, though. He just knocked someone out really bad. Who did he just knock out? Hold on. Bear with me, guys. He just brutally destroyed somebody recently. Oh, yeah. He knocked out Mike Perry. Oh, and he knocked the... Oh, that's right. He knocked out Nico Price very bad, too. That's who they should fight. That's a really good fight, actually. The hands of steel. That's who it should be. Geoff Neal versus Vicente Luque. Who's going to break the top 10? Both have a similar a similar opponent, Nico Price. Nico Price was slept by Geoff Neal, I think is how you say his name, and had a really, really good fight. But he's lost twice to Vicente Luque. Vicente Luque submitted him the first time and Dr. Stoppage the second time by the eye. So I think it would be a really cool fight. But now... Honestly, outside of the main event, probably my most impressive thing I watched all night long was Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell versus Charles Rosa. So if you guys never seen Bryce Mitchell, Bryce Mitchell is a 155-pound white boy. Not sure where he's from. He's got a southern accent. They call him Thug Nasty. He he is a quite the character. He's a crazy personality. He's funny as hell. Um, he was, he's been on Theo Vaughn's podcast. Very, very funny, but he hit a submission called the twister. Okay. So the twister is if you have someone's back, you have to trap, you trap one of the legs and then on the opposite side, you have to get, you have to basically put the arm under the back of your neck and trap the head. And what you're going to do is when you trap the head, you're going to push the leg one way and twist the head the other way. And you're pretty much just twisting their spine. And it's pretty much, it, it can break their spine. It's super dangerous. One of the craziest moves. Not a very, very easy move to get to do ever. It was done once in the UFC before him. Uh, Korean Zombie did it. And then Bryce Mitchell pulled it off two fights ago before this last fight with Charles Rosa. So, now, you got that right. Uh, high-level wrestler. Crazy. 
Right. So now let's talk about Charles Rosa real quick. Charles Rosa is a high level black belt. I can't. He's under. I can't remember who he got his black belt under. Very notable black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu though. Eight out of his twelve wins are by submission. Yeah, he is a submission ace. He was. In, he is incredible. Okay. So Bryce Mitchell won. The, the rounds were 30-25, 30-25, and 30-24. I've never seen a 30-24. That means he got 10-8 all three rounds. That's how bad this man destroyed Charles Rosa on the ground. It was incredible. He almost twisted him twice. So it, this submission has only happened two times in the whole course of the UFC, and this guy almost pulled it off two times. Probably hit 100 arm triangles, his submission game was it was so freaking beautiful man I, it was it was it was a clinic like of all clinics there was it was a one-sided one-sided clinic of a grappling match uh, i need to see him step up a game and stand up but man this guy is going to be a force to reckon with that whole division is very scared of that that guy i need to see i want to see him step up man he's i don't know if he's ranked yet i don't think he is but he needs to step up in some series i want to see him against a big name I want to see him in there with somebody who can fight. I'm excited for that kid to step up at the 55 division. Maybe uh, Gillespie, maybe uh, Kevin Lee, but Kevin Lee's out. Kevin Lee, we could fucking manhandle him. That guy throws a fucking fit. Anyways, talking about mental health. Oh, we'll lean into that now. So, I, real quick, I, did, I I want to see Bryce Mitchell step up. I don't really care. I just want him to see him break the top top 15 now. Maybe even top 10. He showed, he manhandled him, and it's not like he just beat him. He showed that he deserves to be in that top 10, and he's going to be a force no matter what. Even if he, even if he does never win the title, anytime you step into the octagon with that kid, now that I've seen this, he he's a freaking nightmare. Whew, so, that's kind of, I'm going to wrap up that whole card. That card was insane. Again, you guys need to go watch it if you haven't. Congrats to the UFC her putting on an amazing card. Um, I think it was an overall successful card. Probably one of the best cards I've seen in a very long time. I think four out of the five were either TKO knockouts of the main event. Um, beautiful, amazing card. Amazing card. Uh, I do kind of just want to touch on some of the, the the touchier subjects that I've watched during this. I saw there was a lot of damage in this fight, though. Um, you, you heard me talk about the whole thing with Cruz and Cejudo about Sterling Stoppage. Um the, the, I mean, Tony Ferguson took so much damage in this fight, you guys. It, it scared me, man. The, the amount of brain damage that comes in fighters is very, very scary. And I'm going to touch into kind of kind of step into CTE a little bit. Uh, if you're not familiar with CTE, it's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Encephalopathy, sorry. So uh, CTE. Basically, it is um, it's neuro. Degenerating. It's a neurodegenerating disease, so it basically eats your brain away, and it's based off head trauma. So the more head trauma you take, the more the stronger it gets, the harder it gets, and it, it just basically eats your brain away. So, it, it, the, well, what's crazy about it is that there was a fighter named Jordan Par- Parsons. Uh, he died at 25 years old. He was an MMA fighter. It had nothing to do with fighting. It was it was out. It had something. It was something else. But the way he died was irrelevant. But when they did a CTA test or a CTE test on him, they found he had very very high levels of CTE in his in his brain. Um, at 25 years old, with only a handful of fights under his record, this sent a craze through the MMA world. People people were very scared because if you think about it, man, that is a very very young age to be 
having CTE after so little fights and there's fighters in there who are 50 years old with hundreds of fights getting smashed in their face. It is that those guys are guaranteed to have CTE, but here's the problem. They can't test for CTE until, until you're dead. There's no way of testing it. So you can't tell if these guys have CTE in their system. They find that almost every single football player has CTE. Um, Boxers get it way worse. Just in 2019, three boxers died because of brain trauma. They're not stopping the fight early enough because, believe it or not, you're more likely to die from a thousand jabs than you are from one crazy overhand right. If you get hit super duper hard by a crazy head kick, by a super crazy punch, your brain will just shut off and you're not going to take any more. But if you take a thousand jabs to the head, you're constantly shaking your brain, rocking your brain, rocking your brain, going, 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 ding, 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 ding. And all of a sudden, your brain's just constantly rattling. That's so much worse for your brain. So much worse. Now, that one shot can, can, because can't have, is more likely to be like lifelong, like, from that moment on, of course, but you're way more likely to get crazy brain damage from getting jabbed a thousand times. Uh, there's again, there's been more deaths in the in boxing. I don't know if that comes down to promoters and corners and the UFC's taking different precautions, but I would just like to see more corners throw the talent. Sometimes I know that like Deontay Wilder got mad at his corner. Um, one of the best corner throwings I've ever seen was Diaz got his his corner through the talon when he got head kicked fucking five times by um josh thompson and that was a good calling and diaz can take some damage if you guys are not familiar with fights so i would like to see it happen a little bit more they've proven that you can get cte from using a jackhammer you know the things you see on the cement just from rattling your brain too much that's scary man that's scary there's people getting socked in their face for fun consistently from training from this to that and i understand there, there there's also a there's also a risk, of course, that you know you're getting every time you step into the fight, every time you step into the fight game. You know, I do jujitsu. I know that my knees and my joints are probably not going to be great. Most people who do jitsu lifelong usually are getting a disc feud because they're constantly bending and twer- contorting and doing all this weird stuff. Um, if you're a construction worker, you know you're probably going to have arthritis in the long run if you don't stretch. You know, there's a lot of, there's always a risk reward factor and there's always stuff that's going to happen or longevity that can happen to your body. But I also don't think that you should prolong it just for the unfortunate warrior code. That warrior code also came from back in the day when people could raid your village and take your family and your food and kill everybody and all that stuff. I think that now we're in a different society where. We can step in and save fighters' careers where they're getting destroyed and you're just not seeing it and you're praying on one lucky punch to define your career to where you might not even be able to fight after this career just for that one punch. That's scary. I, I just I, And I know there's been amazing fights and I've seen phenomenal fights where the fighter you thought he was done and over with but he made an amazing comeback of this one punch. But to be honest, man, a lot of those fights, I also wouldn't be very upset if that fight got stopped a little bit early on. So I just I'm always on the fence. I'm always on the fence of that. And I know for a fact what doesn't help it is the weight cutting, man. I, I've, I've, I've seen it. You've, you've seen it time and time again when these fighters step up or try to go down. Um, you saw it with TJ Dillashaw when he stepped down to 125. I, I don't think TJ Dillashaw was cheating his entire – he didn't use EPO his entire career, but I do believe he needed EPO to make that 
little bit extra weight or cut that little bit extra weight. And I think ultimately dehydrating his body and his brain so much is the reason he didn't take that shot very well. And he got almost knocked unconscious or, you know what I mean? He took the crazy shot from Cody Garbrandt, who was a 135 who had dynamite in his hands. And then he took the shot from one punch from Henry Cejudo, a smaller guy. And all of a sudden he gets ace. I'm not saying Cejudo is an amazing fighter. I'm not saying Cejudo doesn't have hands. But what I'm saying is there's definitely a factor in his, um, his brain dehydrating. You saw Donald Cerrone when he stepped up. You saw how much more damage he could take from the 155 and the 170. Um, and unless your name's Darren Till, who was massive, man. But he could take a lot. It seemed like he took more damage at 70 than he did at 55. He looked better. He looked sharper. He looked smarter. DC, man. You never saw DC even get hurt at heavyweight. Not even, uh, well, Stipe. But Stipe punched him in the bottle body 16 times. He got knocked out by Jones. He got dropped by Anthony Johnson. He got dropped by um, Alexander Gustafson. I mean, all these fighters hit him and put and literally dropped him. He was also, if you remember him when he first came in the UFC, he was chunky and had the round belly. Then he cut down, and people were making fun of him how much he lost weight. He looked really, really skinny at light heavyweight. And I think that's why he couldn't take as hard of a shot. So, man, between the weight cuts and that brain damage, I mean, if you if you try to have a conversation with Max Holloway or Stipe or Tony Ferguson or Justin Gaethje, I mean, you can tell these guys, man, they're, you can the, the, the way they... Their words, they, the way they stole their words. I mean, he, uh, you just can't, you can't get hit in the head that much, you know. The big example, I know it was Parkinson's, but um, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, Muhammad Ali, man. I, I, I'm not saying getting punched in the head a hundred times, the rope a dope style gave him Parkinson's, but I, I, I wouldn't say that it didn't put the foot on the gas pedal to bring that bad boy along a lot faster. And also, I, I feel for the fighters, and I understand their side that they they understand what they're getting themselves into. But coming from a person that I, if I if I was in the world of MMA, I would love to coach. I, I'm very scared of brain damage. I train for fun. I train to protect myself and my family in the streets. Uh, and like I said, I love the art of it. I love being able to move my bodies in specific ways. And but it, brain damage has always scared me. I would love to be able to teach people, but I, I would I would probably be a coach to pull the pull the plug a little early on you. That sounds bad. Throw the towel in a little early, not pull the plug. Jeez Louise. I'm not trying to kill you, bro. I'm sorry. I'm trying to save your life, dog. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. If you guys know people who are in sports, you know, uh, football, rugby, especially wrestling, is never getting slammed. Um, watch their head. Watch how much they're getting rumbled around. Keep, keep you know, watch out for the signs, confusions. Um, memory loss, just like, you know, when they're leaving for forgetting chunks of time. Um, GSP was a classic example of him saying he was talking to aliens cause he was losing time when they were saying it was probably CTE and that's, that's probably what it was. He was probably had CTE cause he, and he was forgetting what he was talking about. Uh, so yeah, just, just keep in mind, especially when you have your children, man, if it's happening at that young of age, do you really want your child with a helmet on? running, colliding, getting slammed around, shaking his head around in football, man. Put your kid in gymnastics. Put your kid in something that's going to help him move his body, get his body ready for it. I don't think you should. children should be putting their brains at risk for, for other people's entertainment by no means. So be smart, everybody. Just be smart with brain damage. It's, it's, very, it's, not, it's not very hard to get. It's very, it's very, very, it's a very strong I mean, it's technically it's a disease, man. It, it, it eats your brain, and it, it comes very easy. Anybody can get it. Like I said, jackhammer, football. I mean, football is an American sport. 
So everyone just stay smart out there. Let's come on. You know what I mean? Let's take it let's care let's take care of each other a little bit more sometimes. Let's look out for our, our loved ones. Let's look out for the people out there risking their lives on the lines for our entertainment. Let's, let's take them into consideration a little bit more. I know they're treated with millions and millions of dollar, dollars, but they're also they're also getting hurt. All right, guys. I'm going to end it on that. That was almost an hour-long podcast. I wanted to make sure I got a nice long one out there for this. Like, I'm going to drop another quick plug. You know, Come check me out on Facebook. Share me. Uh, share me to your friends. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to put out, anything you want to hear me talk about, I'll do some research into it. Yeah. Uh, send me a message. Send me a message through Facebook. Uh, Cam Jam's Corner. I have my, uh, yeah, I have my business page. I'm on Spotify. Like I said before, uh, Cam Jam's Corner, Spotify, uh, anchor. Hey, I, I appreciate all the support I've gotten so far. Uh, I'm almost up to 70 listens. I'm trying to break that 100 mark. I w- I'm going to start doing more hour-long podcasts. I'm really excited. I- I'm trying to put together this uh, this road trip I'm going to do down in California to Russian River Brewery. I- I'm probably going to do a couple podcasts on the way, some road trip ones. I'm able to do a mobile one, so stay tuned for that. Like I said, guys, if you have any, if there's anything you guys want to listen to, if you want to be a-, a guest, hit me up. This has been Cam Jam's Corner. Peace, guys.